Welcome to Mac and Blue, where we introduce you to who is building Arizona, bringing you the people and businesses that shape the landscape around us. From economic development and developers, underwriters and lenders, architects and engineers, to the very builders and suppliers that bring it all together. Now let's join our hosts, Robert Johnson and JJ Levensky, aka Mac and Blue. Good afternoon, broadcasting or streaming, I guess is the better term, um, live from the Mac 6 studio. I'm Robert Johnson. He's JJ Levinsky. How are you, JJ? I'm great. You? Yeah, I'm doing well. Little, we, little... we upped our wardrobe again. Yeah, we upped the, the wardrobe again. Um, it does get some interesting looks from the people that come in. That is, I, it gets, I'll, I'll tell the story later about the jacket and grandkids. They thought it would look great on my wife, if that tells you anything. And we got Daryl. Daryl is the guy that's actually driving the bus. And uh, how's it going, Daryl? It is going well. Daryl is our producer. Daryl Robinson does a fantastic job. Today, we have with us, and very glad to have, Lance Baker, who is the founding partner and principal of Synactic Design. Hey, Lance. Hey, how's it going? Good, good, good. Thanks for coming in. Um, I've known Lance for a while. You know nothing about Lance. Uh, I, I hope to. I hope to. Yeah, you're, you're, about, you're about to now. Yeah. Lance, if you would, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and, and your firm. Sure. So Lance Baker, architect, moved out to Arizona in 1996, actually, from Missouri. Very. Had to make the move for a better business environment out here. Sure. Not too much sure. to do there. So came out here after college, started Synectic Design in 2000. Uh, so it's been about 23 years now. Wow. Yeah. Got an early start. So. Awesome. Uh, what got you into architecture? I always love to build things, just kind of the creative problem-solving nature of, you know, always tinkering, rector sets, mm -hmm. you know, just spent my whole childhood in the garage just tinkering on stuff, and it just kind of led into liking to build things. And so I always like to think of myself as a frustrated contractor more than an architect, but <laughs> no, I can relate to that. <laughs> no, right? no. Um, and you yeah. are a contractor. And well, I consider think you're yourself emphasizing frustrated. the frustrated oh, yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. we're all kind of that part. Right. Um, no, that's that's uh, that's uh, very good. And your your firm started in two thousand. Mm -hmm. So you started so you weren't you never you didn't start working at some other place. No, for, I did. Yeah, oh, okay, I worked okay. for about three other firms uh, okay, gotcha. from ninety six to about two thousand. Oh, gotcha. Okay, sure. And then kind of uh, I had a business partner when I started the company. Who was an older gentleman. He's still here in the valley. He was more of a design architect guy mm -hmm. who liked to just kind of wait for the phone to ring and decided to go back to the big firm kind of world and be mm -hmm. a designer. And I was a little more entrepreneurial, wanted to kind of get things moving a little faster. So uh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. off and started moving. So yeah, awesome. So how's the, uh, apart from being an architect, what's it like being an entrepreneur and business <laughs> owner? Well, it's something they don't teach you in architecture school. Of that's course. For sure. There's no business classes whatsoever. So you kind of learn the hard way, I guess. Uh, but everything's worked out well. I couldn't be happier. So. Yeah. So what types of construction? Literally. Types of design? Yeah. Yeah. Literally, we do just about everything. Uh, and I think that's what's allowed us to really survive and thrive through a lot of downturns in the market. 
coming out here in 96, I was just at the tail end of kind of the SNL stuff yeah, starting yeah. to pick back up. Sure. So everything was pretty good. And at the time, I was working for firms doing everything from medical type projects to high-end residential and then resort hotel type stuff. With this firm, we've done everything from federal government stuff, medical, healthcare, fast food, restaurant, office, warehouse, storage, industrial, you know, So you've been able to, whatever is down, um, yeah, you right. whatever is hot, that's what you can move to. And yeah, right. that's a great business model. For Do sure, you, because it's all designed to me. Yeah. I mean, it's all creative problem solving. <laughs> that's what architecture is to me. It's creative problem solving. Here's your set of constraints. Here's my rules I have to stay within. Now what can I do to make it the best it can be within those constraints? Instead of being a niche, and, and we have, there are a lot of architecture firms that are, you know, strictly public or, or municipal work, et cetera, et cetera. So, it, yeah, it is. I guess it's all the same. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, if, you're, drawing, if, if you like to design stuff, you know, you're going to design everything you can from your desk to your house to your, you know, yeah, your jacket great example. you're wearing. I mean, wow. <laughs> that was wow. a glance. That Not was that good. jacket, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> nobody would really, I don't think anybody designed this one look more like an accident. Right. So, um, so to me, it's just, it's all design, no yeah. matter what the product type is. So Lance, are you like, um, like most shops in, in your peer group, I assume that most of the consultants are sub-consultants or do you have any in-house things beyond the architecture? No, it's all sub-consultants. I'd like to, doing a variety of different project types, I like to kind of use the right tool for the job. Right. So some consultants are stronger at certain project types than others. So it kind of makes sense. So you, to you of, match the best in class yeah. as you see fit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. And then how many how many associates or or proteges do you have then under your watch? We have 10 right now. Nice. Yeah. I've been as high as 20, but honestly, uh, we How was of, that HR program? <laughs> that was really fun. <laughs> Payroll was awesome every month. But uh, now over the last, uh, starting in about 2003, we switched the software that we use. We started using what's called Revit, which is a 3D architectural modeling software. So we that is relatively new, is it not? It is, but we started it in 2003. So Well, I had heard it before, but I hadn't seen it much. Right. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. So that kind of changed the way that we do things where now we don't have any real drafts people or job captains anymore. People are now, most of my employees are all project managers. So they have to understand how to build a building from the ground up because you're modeling it in 3D from day one. Right. So if you don't understand how the stud wall sits on the stem, you're not going to have much luck modeling something. Now, so. is that the difference in a designer and a project manager? Because I, 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 people ask me this all the time, and I really don't know the proper answer because I've got buddies that are architects, but they are their role is a project manager. And so can you explain the difference? Or it, it, uh, To me, it's kind of a project manager is someone that takes a project all the way through from conception through construction. Whether it be design it. Correct. In this case. Right. right. So we'll have some staff that are very strong in design. I like to participate in the design. Maybe this is partner likes mm -hmm. to do a lot of design. And we have some staff that are really kind of budding designers. Mm -hmm. So we let them do whatever they're capable of doing. It's not everybody's right niche. It's mm -hmm. kind of difficult to do. Mm -hmm. It sounds easy and everybody wants to be an architect, but it's actually sometimes really hard to come up with, sure you know, fresh concepts or ideas or solve the problems. Right. Right. So I don't think everybody is automatically a designer that's an architect. Um, I think there are that's people that... That's a great that, point. Right. <laughs> that's a great point. It's a big delineation when you really think about it. Yeah, because it's one thing to be able to, to 
build it or design yeah, it, d- draw it, draw it for building, right. and draw the draw it for the aesthetics or the you know uh, ease of use or traffic right. flows or you know any of those kinds of things. Well, there's the technical efficacy versus the creative spirit and where they combine. Right, is, it's the blending yeah. of the two. That's why yeah. Yeah. I like to think of it as creative problems. I wish we could, we're going to have to play that quote again. I made my head explode with the. Technical efficacy and efficacy. Yeah, say it again. Say the whole <laughs> Te- thing again. Technical efficacy on one side, and the creative spirit on the other. Wow. Where that meets. Wow. That's the nirvana of an architect. Oh, you had to throw nirvana in there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Oh, but, I could go utopian. Is yeah, that better? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, this is getting worse. I did word scramble this morning, so yeah. I feel more intellectual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's still got the calendar on his desk. Yeah, he does. Oh, man. (laughs) The far side? That was solid. That was solid. So, you know, you bring up this whole, this whole BIM thing and, or not BIM thing, a rabbit thing, which, you know. It's BIM, yeah. It is BIM. So what we do on our end has gotten, I mean, it's very heavy in Revit and we're finding that uh, there's a lot of engineering firms that still don't use Revit. Well, I'm Very true. So let me ask the same question differently, yeah. and then you come back. So, Lance, if you had to put a percentage of your peer group, and look, let's stay more in, like, the commercial industrial than the residential, how much are, how much is Revit being utilized in the marketplace? For other architecture firms? Yeah, just take a guess. I, it would be a total guess because I don't really focus I know, on other for the leaders, much, For the listeners and viewers, just throw out a number. Maybe 50%. Okay. I would say it's probably increasing, but I think it increases very slowly. So okay. it's a big commitment of time and resources and yeah. capital. It's not cheap. No. And, and just the training. So, lot, but, lot. but aren't all the new, when I say kids, cause we're a bunch of old guys, all the kids that are coming out of school in that that's their training though, right? Somewhat. Yeah. It depends on what school you go to. Like my school was more of a design school. Oh. So I didn't even know AutoCAD when I got out of college and it took me about three months to find a job because I could only draw by hand. So, you know, it's, it's not something that, you can just assume. Huh. So just it is not you, automatic. It's not no. that you're being taught. Revenue. No. No, usually if we hire somebody right out of college, we're typically training them for the first, you know, two or three years before Very value really comes into play. Right. <laughs> so, so let's go down that rabbit hole because yeah. we're all, we could all talk about human capital and labor till we're blue in the face. Right. What's it been like you as an architect trying to find good help? It's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Especially when the market gets really busy, just like, like, like a contractor, like a contractor <laughs> find, trying to find a good project manager or superintendent. I mean, are you looking? Sal- mm. <laughs> salaries go up, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's hard to find. You have to you know, try to lure people away, I guess. But um, most of the people that we have in our office, very fortunate, have been there for a long time. We try to have a really fun culture and try to really reward people and, you know, treat them as equals and do our best to maintain the same staff because consistency is everything. So, right. So what is it that, what would you say is, is like your, I'm not going to say niche, but what is it you're trying, you, you like educating clients most about? I think I really like when clients are open to utilizing different material systems, different okay. mechanical systems, not for the sake of doing something different, but doing something better and yeah, giving giving you an opportunity to use a new construction method that maybe it hasn't been thought about that much before. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, if I've used it myself and it makes a ton of sense, then I'm going to try to promote the heck out of it because I think it's just the right thing to do. Right. And so you're not afraid of 
new technologies or new things. I mean, so much, I mean, many, many GCs, owners, builders, you know, I've done it this way for 20 plus years. I'm never going to change my mind. I'm just this way. I'm always going to do it. Right. You're not that way. You don't object to. No, I think you should question almost everything. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I think you're doing a disservice. Yeah, I agree. To your client if you're not rethinking what they're asking you. So on that note, Lance, are you are you seeing that more and more of your meetings, let's say in the, especially now and in the recent past, where it truly is the three-legged stool where you and the GC and the owner are sitting there together collaborating on this? Or do you still see where it's typically just you and the owner? No, no. Uh, we love to do design build, mm -hmm. and especially the government projects that we started doing, let's say, in 2003, four when the other market kind of slowed down, really got us into more design build. And I like it because it really makes everybody accountable as far as the decision-making process. There's nothing worse than designing something and then having a GC come back and say, well, I would have preferred if we would have done it like this, <laughs> you know, and you're already permitted and already I've never been, and... I wouldn't know what that, I've never right, heard that right, before in my life. Right. Well, well, so this is something that I, I would like <laughs> to have explained by either one of you, but you bring up design build and we'll throw it to you first, Lance. What is your, what do you define when you say design build? What is that process? Well, I don't necessarily mean the contractual yeah, form yeah, of I design build, mm -hmm. although we've done that. And a lot of times the government mm -hmm. projects are true design build mm -hmm. where I'm hired by a contractor. Correct. And that's fine. But it's more design assist where the owner or developer will bring in a contractor early on. Mm -hmm. Like we might have schematic design done. Then we'll bring in a contractor to start having them do preliminary pricing on different concepts and ideas or materials or perfect. And through that, we're all kind of, you know, speaking the same language or almost value engineering as they're going what I, through that's the what whole I was project. For. Yeah. Right. So that there's a lot. I mean, I've 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 been involved in projects that were design build and they felt like it was no, you know, the plans are just, you know. No, if I cartoons. change my mind, yeah, yeah it's cartoons. like, you know. That, that. <laughs> well, I'll, leave, I'll even go one step further because all three of us in our collective businesses, mm -hmm. we're forced to do that at a whole nother level right now. So let me, well, give, let me give the example is I'm working on a design assist right now too where we were brought in before, well, it, it doesn't matter, a little bit before the architect that the owner wanted to use. Mm -hmm. And we both, which I'm proud that they said the same thing. It's like, we will not go any further until the other part is part of this team. Right. Because in the in the crazy market that we're in, we we can't deliver on that. So in that case, like we had an actual meeting this morning where and you can appreciate this, Lance. They they asked me, JJ, based on the market, how would how do you want to build this shell? Right. And I said, Well, you tell me what the programming's gonna be first. Just give me a design concept of what you want it to be square footage wise and a little bit of a programming mechanism, then I'll come back and answer that question. But I can tell you this is what we can't have because of lead times, right? working that backwards. I said, the rest of it, we can make the math work if we can just get over a couple of these hurdles. Sure. And so to answer your question, but now to your, to your point, Robert, we're going much deeper. Like we used to always maybe get MP&E contractors involved. Right. Um, and for Daryl, that's mechanical, plumbing, and electrical. Because he's always like, <laughs> he's gonna what are those the, acronyms? He's going to ask the question at some point. Um, MP&E or MEP, they get transposed. We're going to secondary and tertiary levels in those conversations, i.e. we're coming to you like Robert, like, hey, right. guys, could you guys prefab this whole this whole curtain wall or wall assembly to save three or four months? And not that we didn't do those that level of, of investigation earlier, but we're going a lot deeper a lot sooner because yeah. we don't have the luxury of waiting. 
Right. right. Would you agree, Lance? Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. And not only that, but leveraging your subs and say, how much can you do? Yeah. You know, no, like, like, no, that's a great point because this is the transformation of what we all do. This is, I mean, it is changing. And, right. um, um, you know, I, I call it evolution, not transformation. That's actually great because I like that. You've seen some of the subs that I've had to deal with. Evolution fits much better than transformation. <laughs> For those of you watching us, I don't know the way we're dressed. We're yeah. not one step yeah. above that. Yeah, the evolution isn't working. But yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting time. We are being brought in as a you know as a prefab people a, a you know company much sooner and talking to owners. Well, you know this. I mean, Lance has, for the sake of transparency, has introduced us to several owners. Now, in those cases, design was already underway, but we we talked to a lot of people. But it, there's you know a floor plan, and we get involved very early and do the design. You know, help drive the design. So I guess it yeah it is a, in a, in a certain aspect, design build is kind of the direction right. everybody would want to go to if you can ve the thing as it goes along. I mean that's in a perfect world. I, th- I think you especially nowadays, you can't afford to go backwards. Yeah. So you can't get to the finish line and then say, now we need to redesign it. You know, now we need to change the construction. Type. That's happened to you, hasn't it? I've had that yeah, happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. We so here, convert buildings from steel to concrete and yep. vice versa, or wood to steel. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in today's market, that's just a, a deal killer yeah. for developers who are trying to get to market as fast as they can. And there's the key. So yeah. you've got you've got to value engineer the whole way along, and the best way to do that is collaboratively with with the GC and the developer and the architect. Yep. And the subcon sub consultants. Yeah. All right. So we've solved that world problem. Now let's move to the next one. Right. Is in in you tip even if we're we're in the model that we just described where it's design build, design assist, where everyone's at the table, or back to the conventional model, where you're working solely on behalf of the owner. Municipalities your struggle of getting things through in a timely manner. So what, speak to you, I know you can't speak for your entire industry, but speak to you specifically of what are you, what are your challenges and how are you circumventing those on behalf of the developer to get past these year and two year design reviews and all those kind of things. Because right. we're not here to chastise the municipalities. They are also under, under siege. Sur- <laughs> not, well, they're yeah. under siege. They don't have enough people. They don't have enough resources. So how's your community helping navigate those waters? Right. I think the biggest thing that we can do to help the developers with that whole process is just the relationships that we've developed over the last, you know, 25 years of being here in the Valley, knowing the right people at the different municipalities to try to talk to, to help get assistance and explaining to them why, you know, everybody is crying to get their permits faster these days. And unless you have a legitimate reason for it, you're kind of you're in, the you're queue. in line with everybody else. Right. And so. it really is about building a relationship with somebody, isn't it? Right. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is a lot of it. Um, Are they still allowing self-certification? For- yeah, and I'm I'm self-certified okay. in Phoenix. And I've now, Daryl's going to ask, so you have to take a tangent now. Oh, sorry, Daryl. No, 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 no. No, what's the definition of self-certification? So uh, the city of Phoenix has a program that allows you to become a self-certified architect, structural engineer, civil engineer, landscape architect. I think that's about it, basically. Where you can certify your own plans. So I can do my own plan review, basically, instead of it going through the normal city process. So let's say we're doing a high-end residence, which I actually help certify quite a few of those, even mm-hmm. though I don't design them. So I can do it for other architects as well. Oh, interesting. As myself. So I might, let's say I'm doing a high-end residence that I'm trying to help expedite the permitting for. Typically, you can get that done in about 12 days for 
building permit, whereas if it went through a conventional plan review right now, you're probably 90 to 120 days in Phoenix. So obviously you're charging an expediting fee mm -hmm. for that service, but sure. there's risk involved too. If anything comes back uh, and has to change due to a field inspector or an audit, you can get audited mm -hmm. through the process. Then the builder and owner have to rip it out and redo it, basically. Oh, okay. So, so, it's, so it's a risk reward. It is. Sure. How does the... Oh, sorry. I, I'm going to hold my finger up like this and I'm going to say, hey, we need to take a break for oh. a word from our sponsor. Oh. Thank you. The way we construct is changing. Technology, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, manufacturing, off-site construction, high-velocity construction. These aren't things you would typically associate with construction. They are at Mac Prefab. The way we construct has changed. Welcome to high velocity construction. Welcome to Mac Prefab. Build with strength, sustain with steel. Okay, I'm sorry, JJ. You may continue. Liability. Mm -hmm. So again, for the people listening and watching, when you go to self-certify, how does the liability change on to you as well? Yeah, uh, well, technically. Or liability. added liability. Yeah, there's a little additional liability, but we're liable for everything no matter what. Right, so it's still under your <laughs> professional is, liability or yeah. your errors and emissions. Correct. Yeah, okay. yeah, the city is never liable for anything. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So it, it changes a little bit, though, in that, you know, I will say there's a lot more requirements on the self-certified plan review. So it does take a lot more, you know, going through everything with a fine-tooth comb. Uh, just but again, if, if it's that important to the developer or capital stack, they approach you and they're like, hey, speed is of the essence. Sure. Do whatever you can. Right. Yep. Um, other than that, then, is there anything else that you're seeing um, to help mitigate the situation with these backlogs at the different municipalities? Yeah, I would say that uh, people are going at risk a little sooner with construction documents. So you might be starting construction documents when you're in for preliminary site plan review nowadays, where in the past you might wait on that, you know, to make sure there's no drastic changes or anything. Nowadays, we'll go at risk and get CDs going with the whole goal being the minute you get your preliminary site plan approval, uh, you would submit for building plan review. So instead of a, a lag in there making sure everything is good, we're taking a little bit of a risk kind of trying to get prepared. Yeah. Interesting. So now um, we touched on, we touched on technology a little bit, um, but where do you see the profession, your profession going in the next five, 10 years or so? Well, I think it's, it's the BIM is only going to get more and more, you know, involved. Uh, I think it's going to get, we're already sharing 3d model files with contractors and even sub consultants, you know, so to make their work easier. I think that's going to become more and more prevalent. And I think there's actually going to become some automation between what we're, you know, designing and production. So prefabrication, just yeah. like you're involved yeah. in. But there, it, yeah, it, hopefully, hopefully I can speak to this. No, this is, yeah. I love it. This is why I went this, here because connect, we've had this yeah, conversation connecting, before. Connecting you two, you know, if I have a contract and you're, I'm working with you right. and you're a, a sub consultant to us, I want it to just roll right into a SKU and a PO and a, Right. You know, forget the whole submittal process. We mm -hmm. want that just streamlined right there. And yeah. then my utopian dream is that it's all done on blockchain. That would no, be that's, where I, that's actually <laughs> why I was trying to shove this into it. No, right. I mean, that, I, I think that's ultimately where we're going to wind up. Right. Yeah, we will. I would agree with that yeah. for sure. And then, and then the, the, the guy or gal in the field, they'll be having some sort of Oculus on that guides them right through your model. Google Glass or whatever. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. That, that is the utopian dream, but it's not, and it's not that far away. 
and just recently had a conversation with the gentleman who's into AR, and I didn't even know what AR was. He, he was talking about AR. Accounts receivable? Yeah, accounts receivable, yeah. <laughs> I'm into yeah. AR. <laughs> yeah, augmented Monthly, reality. Right? And um, he they he actually sells it, and it's some you know it's it's a robust, more robust than Google Glass, but yeah, in the field, guys with hard hats with the lenses, you know, down, and they're looking at the built environment against drawings that are in their vision. It was just it was a mind blower, and he actually built a bench. You know, he had designed it in Revit. And then he was building this bench that wasn't there, but yet he was looking at pieces and the, the, the whole plan as he was putting it together so he could tell if pieces were in the right place and all that. So, uh, yeah, there's some interesting. Well, here, here's one. Like, I think this is a great testimony for both of you. Since you two have worked together before, mm-hmm. is, your, is your BIM modeling at your production facility tailored to take his stuff and just go right to production? Or do you still have some, some barrier? Not because of you being you, but I'm just saying the technology do you still have barriers to overcome to streamline that? I, I think for the most part, that's already, I mean, that's, that's done. You can speak more to that than I would. But I mean, like if we, if we get very early in design, for us, we would, we would prefer, we have not been in this position with Lance, but we would prefer to do the model, the BIM model, or the Revit model. I'm sorry, I keep saying BIM. The, the Revit model of the wall panel layout and provide that to the architect to be distributed among the MPE guys so that they can start working from that, knowing where all the structural members and everything are. We haven't been able to that place. It's kind of gone the backwards way. Right. Um, you answered the question, but you, yes, you I answered it in the backwards fashion. Yeah. I think it'll get there eventually, mm-hmm. but I think it's more of a collaborative model sharing through, oh, no, through, the, yeah. through the Thank process. You. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and we already do that oftentimes. There's BIM 360, which allows you to share right. a Revit model mm-hmm. uh, in the cloud, basically. And you can have multiple work groups working on the same model. That's kind of where it's going to go mm-hmm. between, but it's going to go, instead of just between architects and engineers, it's going to now get into subcontractors or Correct. suppliers. The supplier is the key now. Yeah, we're, we're, already, we're already going to the subs. Right. We have to get to the supply chain earlier and, and, and more de, in a more delineated fashion. Oh, like, and I think that whole thing is a win. Yeah. yeah. Like an example would be like on a project that we're working on, we obviously have to design the walls first or lay them out. Mm-hmm. Then we could hand them over to somebody like Robert's team and they would do their wall layout for their actual studs and so forth in our model and give that back to us. But we still got to loop in that sub-consultant, yep. the electrical and plumbing to get the holes in the right places. And if those guys aren't using Revit, then, you know, and that that's age. what happens. So what happens when that is the case? Yeah. When it, when a, when and they have those... to now now it's more time on your part, your team's part, because they need to meet with the electrical engineer and the sub subcontractor even and coordinate. Hey, here's how we're going to run everything. And a lot of that comes from the subcontractor too. Yes. Because I mean, you can draw wiring diagrams or plumbing diagrams all day long, and it doesn't mean the guy in the field is going to use that, <laughs> right? I mean, he's going to absolutely he's going to do it the way he well, knows best. And I think we all know the three of us sitting here and a lot of the listeners that the BIM and IPD that's been kind of the glass ceiling up right. till now is those last few non adapters of how do you overcome that? Because right. it's it's the cog in the wheel. Yeah, and it's that so Daryl for anything. IPD. We already talked about BIM. IPD is the integrated project delivery. So it takes. It takes all the cool stuff that Lance does in our industry and it coordinates it into a throughput or how do you get it into production? Yeah. That's a fancy way of saying it. 
Yeah. It's hard to force that. Uh, a lot of the government projects that we've worked on have been getting further along than any private projects doing that because they can dictate it basically. Yeah, because they can force Flash it. detection, yep. Navisworks, all that stuff you know, becomes key. Yeah, clash detection you mentioned. So, yeah, that to me. Now, in in the architecture world, is that really something that you see a lot? I mean, get involved a lot in is clash detection, or is that really more of a MEP? No, piece? we've had to do it on, again, government projects, typically not in the private sector. Mm -hmm. uh, now, if we were doing something for Intel or something right. like that, sure, obviously sure. you're going to do a lot of that. And I think they even have their own in-house. They do. People yeah, do yeah, yeah. yeah, so... Private sector, it's not something that we typically do a lot of, but we oftentimes, I mean, we model ductwork and plumbing and things like that before we even get our consultants on board to know it's going to work, you know? I mean, I don't like... Makes absolute sense. Yeah. So let's stay on this thing, but let's switch. We've been talking about us, like our fraternity, mm -hmm. our group, how we get the projects delivered. Lance, I'd like you to t explain and kind of talk through how this has been transformative to how you interact with your clients. Because let's be honest, a lot of times, us in our industry, we've been looking at 2D so much that we can interpret it to 3D. We have this whole group of owners and new people in the construction that they, without 3D, they can't visualize anything. Right. So talk us through how that's been either helping, hindering, I assume it's helping, how you can collaborate with your owners and developers. Yeah, so it's really changed a lot. And earlier, I think I mentioned at one point I had 20 employees and now we're down to 10, but we do two to three times more work with 10 people because we're able to model everything so much quicker. So you spend more time designing in 3D because we literally start designing in 3D from day one. So if you came to me with a schematic project, you know, here's what I'm looking for. And, you know, we start designing it the next day or even the day after we could get you some preliminary 3D views of what that's going to look like, which before would have been way down the road. Right. So it's much, much faster. So I think it helps the design process and we actually get to spend more time designing though also because while we're modeling it we're also starting the construction drawings right so it's kind of a mindset that has to change with people where you're like we have a schematic design phase a design development phase and a construction drawing phase and you know AIA contracts are built on billing x percentages of each of those phases it's really a it's a linear line yeah. you know and it's just what point in time do you stop and look at it if that makes sense yeah, no it does for me i just I think it's invaluable because I'm usually on a lot of these calls, well, they're not calls, they're Zoom or go to mm -hmm. meetings or whatever, where it's so nice now that our design partners like you, they're walking the owner through and the owner goes, stop. Right. What's that? Lance, right. Right. <laughs> that tree is in the line of my view out of my office to right. the koi pond. Well, right. let's move the tree. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. And, it, and it's super helpful to be able to do that. So I think it helps people make decisions faster. Right. So it streamlines the process. And like I said, we get to spend a little more time on design. It used to be that design was a smaller percentage and the construction drawings were, you know, 60% of a contract probably. And that's really flip-flopped mm -hmm. um, where the majority of the work is now done more in the, in the front end phase, which I think leads to a better product. Yeah. I know this sounds really kind of awkward, but I would say that if I was to quiz my team, you mm -hmm. know, who actually builds and mm -hmm. executes on this stuff, they would rather look at the model than in any CDs. Right. Is it, is it technically the exact same thing? No, but they're also experienced at what they're doing. They know the codes, they know the standards, you know, like your 400 pages of library content. Right. <laughs> they would much rather look at the model because they know those details by the back, 
by heart, right? Right. And so do most of the sub sub uh, contractors, trades, yeah. all those yeah. kind of things. So I think it's it's just invaluable. Now it's been it, and it's been around for a long time. It's just how much on a daily basis are ever is everyone using it? That's the four million dollar question. And like you said, Lance, it's being forced and forced more and more. Um, you know, those of us that were early adapters, we embraced it. But then we, we also kind of hit our own glass ceiling because if you couldn't get the surrounding people to embrace it, you were kind of the on your own island for a long time. Right, right. I mean, right now, at the end of the day, our work product is still a paper set of drawings. Unfortunately. And a, and a spec yeah. book, right? Yeah. But I think that's going to change. It still doesn't take away from the fact that we have to basically write an instruction manual for somebody to go build something that has no clue at all to what we're trying to explain, right? No, you, so have, it has to to assume, be clear. you have to assume that. Right. You have to assume right. they don't know what they're talking about. Right, right. So you've got to make it as uh, understandable as possible Yeah. to anyone. But I think the 3D will get there even more. So as an architect and as a community-based guy that's been here long enough, what's your... He, he kind of went down the technical path with you, but where are your desires kind of interpersonally as an architect in the community? Like, where do you want to take the, the next five to 10? He asked it more, you know what I'm saying? I'm asking you a little bit deeper. Like, where do you want to take what you and your organization represent to architecture into the community? What's on your like dream list? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't have any aspirations to do hundred story buildings or anything like that, but good luck with that getting yeah. to P and Z. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just furthering technology. By Sky Harbor. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's furthering technology kind of in the built environment, using new methods, new, you know, technologies, everything from especially the HVAC, you know, mechanical type stuff to the to even the systems that we're constructing the buildings out of, making it efficient and, you know, better, basically. So I'm a huge proponent of alternative building systems, and I think it's life cycle costs and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, not so much from a lead standpoint. I no. mean, if people want lead, we do lead. We try to do everything lead like, and just you know, if you want a pretty sticker on the front of your building, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a huge cost to owners and everything, but we try to be energy efficient and energy conscious with everything we do, regardless of you know what process it has to go through. Are you seeing owners and developers uh, a more sophisticated bunch that are asking? Uh, upfront for newer, you know, cleaner, all of those pieces and parts. They just know. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, to me, you know, like a huge, great example is obviously there's a ton of multifamily construction going sure. on sure. around the valley right now. Sure. You walk into a four-story stick frame, typical apartment building right mm -hmm. now. You go down to that ground floor and you look at the amount of lumber that's involved on the ground floor and you can't even hardly get an outlet or a switch in the wall because the studs are so close together. Right. You just look at yourself and go, why are we doing it like this? It just mm -hmm. doesn't make sense. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. a whole nother show we have. No, right? but I mean, <laughs> no, you answered the question. So you're like, how can yeah. I do this better? Yeah. There's a better, faster, cleaner, more efficient way to do this. That's not as, you know, material intensive, not as right. labor intensive. And, 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 you know, and, even taking to the next level, wanting, you know, to, to produce net zero buildings. And, and we, you have know, to, we have net zero buildings that yes. are completed, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm with a uh, gentleman we mm -hmm. spoke about earlier, yeah. Yeah, that to me is the really interesting part is that it, it the buildings that we're seeing, ownership, developers are, are asking better questions and, and wanting better things. 
instead of the just this is the way I've done it for 20. And I still get that. I still people, you know, have people tell me I've, I've built multifamily for 20 years and it's always been just like this and it's still going to be this way. I think people are getting more sophisticated and they're knowing that they want higher performance. Yeah. Just like, you know, your 1956 Chevy versus a new Tesla or whatever you want to mm-hmm. compare it to. Mm-hmm. You know, all the bells and whistles and the gadgets and the smart technology and I want to be comfortable all the time, but I don't want to hear my air conditioning or, you know, I don't want glare in my eyes when I'm, you know, all that stuff. I think people are becoming more and more attuned to and, and they expect it. Is it still driven by price ultimately? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, to the me, private market, yeah. Yeah, I, that's exactly. I, I have these same kind of conversations, but then it always, 100% of the time, comes back to price. You but know? I think if you're creative enough, you can you can still build it and still keep pricing in line. There's the key right there. And that's where the prefabrication comes into play. That's where really looking at systems differently. Like I'm a huge proponent of ductless type air conditioning systems, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the inverted technology. It's mm-hmm. way more efficient. I mean, I should probably work for Daikin or Carrier or mm-hmm. somebody. I try to sell their stuff so much, mm-hmm. but just because it makes so much sense. So, um, sorry. How do you how do you have ductless? Oh, okay. Uh, so, <laughs> um, it's pretty common out of the country. Like when you go to foreign countries, you'll see the little wall-mounted air conditioners up on the. It's kind of a vertical-looking shoebox thing. That's it's still an air conditioner. It's still a split system. So there's a condenser outside and an air handler inside. But it's just different technology, so there's no duct work. It is blowing the air directly out of that cooling unit because your majority of your heat or cooling loss is through duct work. Mm. So you eliminate that, and you, it also allows you to zone things a lot better. So you can have an air conditioner in your bedroom, an air conditioner in your uh, you know, living room, right? Yeah. So, yeah. th- Daryl, think of a hotel or apartment. When you see those, that's typically what he's talking about. Okay. But it's becoming more commercially accepted. To do it in, you know, even office spaces where you, but there's the Lance's point. And there's ceiling units now that are, they look just like a regular supply grill and the unit is above the ceiling. So you don't even really see it's that different. There's also ducted units that, mm-hmm. that do have the same technology. It's inverted technology. So it takes alternating current, which is our normal electricity, converts it to direct current or DC, which is actually way more efficient for motors. So that is where your energy savings comes in. So like an air conditioner for your house might be a, a 14 sear, whereas a ductless might be a, a 22 sear. And that's the energy performance rating for the unit. So, yeah, yeah. You've, you've left here much smarter today than you started. It's always there. Oh, and we it's can, always the case. We could go into an hour on that yeah. whole just energy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that energy efficiency is, right. is where it's all going. So I'm always trying to push that with my clients. So is that where you see... Like, I mean, that is the ultimate. That's where it's all going. People are going to go there, whether we have to drag them, push well, the mar- them. The market will take us there before we will, actually. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. I, I, I still find so many owners and developers that don't think of a project. I, and this sounds really crazy, but they do in the beginning. Think it, of it pro forma based. As a, and then they get into the whole line item piece. And so we're, like you mentioned, you know, thinking of prefab, whatever that is, prefabbing electric, HVAC, whether it's the walls or whatever, they look at that and say, well, this is the way I did it in a wood world. And this is what you're saying. And it doesn't pencil. It's, this is more expensive without taking all of the other advantages oh, that, yeah. that could become a part of that. And the edu- it's just an education piece. 
are you involved a lot in the oh, education yeah, absolutely. having to explain to a lot of those things to people? Yeah, we've had to help with contractors go through everything. Okay, if we go with ductless, now we don't have to build soffits. So what's the cost of that drywall? What's the cost of that framing? What's the cost of that paint? The guy mudding that soffit up there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Fire ratings, dampers. I mean, you can go it, on and, and on and on. And, and there's my point. Is when you really, you build really that don't list, realize how much until you start really digging. Right. And yeah. then you realize it's almost a wash. Right. Or, you know, or, or, or it could be a savings. Yeah, exactly. But if the client's going to own the building for 10 years, now they're so in a that, win situation. Now you're getting into the key because, to your point, Robert, is how much of what's being built is being owned is by REITs or Wall Street versus yeah. true developers. Because if they're flipping it, that, that changes the pro forma. But there's also tax incentives out there now, Bingo. too. Thank you. I was about to For go a lot of this that will offset Massive that. tax I mean, advantage. you could get a, a $1,500 cost increase to go ductless, but you get a $2,000 tax credit. That's 500 bucks a unit. Developer is going to say, hey, I'll take that money. I think the summary here is that if we had three or four data points before that the owners and developers were making their decisions on, mm-hmm. there's that's two or three times more now. Back to oh, what Lance yeah. is saying. You know, the energy, the rebates, the this, the that. Exactly. Um, it's just a, de- it's a deeper discussion. Awesome. We're going to pause for another word from our sponsor. There comes a time when dreams become a reality. When you see your vision materialize into a true work of art. And the only way to get there is to choose a general contractor who shares that same vision and knows how to bring it to life. At Blue Wave, we aren't so big that we've forgotten where we've come from. And we aren't so small that we can't care for your projects regardless of their size. When your vision deserves safety, perfection, timeliness, and expertise in order to become a reality, trust Blue Wave to get it done right the first time. Okay, man. What do you what do you got next? No, I it just it just uh, everything that I'm thinking about it. It really is. Robert's head is spinning. No, it's <laughs> it's very cool, um, but the it, really the whole education piece of it now is becoming such a big part of it because there's so much out there that I'm sure a lot of folks, a lot of owners and developers don't know about. You know, they see the the the, the glitzy ones, the little shiny ones, and that those are easy to you know snatch up, but um, you know, tax savings and all those things. Now, the more sophisticated get it, I understand. But you do take the time to, in your design, I mean, that's kind of the thought, that's the way you're thinking now. Yeah, I don't necessarily consider myself just a designer. I mean, right. we're part of the project sure, team. Sure. I mean, sure. so we have to throw all those Very ideas much so. out there. We haven't even that, covered, I mean, really what all you do other than the design, the drawing is such a minute piece of it. All of the coordination of documents, matchmaking going on, right? (laughs) A massive amount of matchmaking. Yeah. So one of the ones I wanted to touch on because I see it all the all the time with, uh, you know, I have the pleasure of working with wonderful people like yourself. Is I've seen a little bit of a transformation in the interiors. What we're, you know, call it interior design. Sure, I just call it interiors. Yeah. A lot of firms have it in house. A lot of firms um, have sub consultants that do it. The the marriage of that is now much more integrated. Before it was, you know, my wife it, it was an ex-licensed uh, interior designer, and they, they got kind of thrown in the corner. You know, they were brought in at the eleventh hour. Not anymore. And so you, I, I'm seeing a lot more of the integration earlier on on that. Um, Lance, any comments or or suggestions of where we're going with that as well? No, that's absolutely true. And uh, we have several that we work with. And I used to keep an interior designer in house all the time, but right. it's gotten 
too sophisticated for that. So now we go out of house all the time. We have some that we work with and they're using BIM and Revit models and we're exchanging the information that way. And it's, it's, but that's the difference, right? And it there. starts one, from day one. one. Yeah. Once right. they got into the modeling right. as well, that's the game changer. Would right. you agree? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They have their whole set of construction drawings now that they'll typically do for interiors. We won't necessarily integrate that with our permit set because it's not, yeah, right. It's not needed for that, but it is for the GMP or for the contract for the contractor. So absolutely, right? Any, yeah. Anything on that? Yeah. No, I don't have anything. To that. Yeah. The, just it, it. It's when people think an architecture firm, they think, oh, okay, I'm gonna go to this guy. I get this all the time. So I need an architect just to go draw me a floor plan. Yeah. There's so much more to uh, um, construction documents than a floor plan. And a few elevations to, you know, okay, this is the way I want it to look. Can you make it look like that? Yeah, sure. Especially, I mean, we'll work on projects together months. I mean, years or I say months. It's not years, years. You probably had some. Oh, yeah. Years. No, a lot of times it's a couple of years. I yeah. Mean, it's like giving birth to an elephant. I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a lot oh, of work. Sorry for the or loud laugh there. You start from entitlements, you know, you start in entitlements okay. and going through that whole process. And sometimes you have to go through zoning or. DRB and yeah. all, and, all of that, and part of that is all um, stuff that you will do. You'll go to city council Absolutely. meetings. You're involved. I mean, so it's such Absolutely. a, yeah, it, it, it's a very involved process. Right. And then you work together with the GCs through construction, yep. solving issues as you go. Yeah. Absolutely. Give your definition, uh, give your definition of CA <laughs> so that Daryl doesn't kill me. It's construction administration, Daryl. Right. So. <laughs> So typically, uh, you know, an architect always is working with the team much after they do 90% of the pulling up front, hand it off to someone like us. And then, but the CA component is that's what keeps them involved throughout the duration of the project. How do you see that changing or evolving? Again, recent past or where you see it going in the future? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, with the whole COVID business, and, and I hate talking about that, but it's reality, but yep. uh, the use of Teams meetings and Zoom and you know, go-to meetings and WebEx has gotten so, you know, pro proliferated through the construction industry that, I mean, there's some days where I'm in nine meetings a day and a lot of them are OAC, owner, architect, contractor meetings, um, you know, projects under construction. This has been the acronym show. I was going to say, right. right. <laughs> for, for me, it's like, oh, I'm, they're talking my language, but right. for everyone listening, we might have to quantify it. Right. So, um, yeah, so we're, super involved during construction and again it's that whole kind of design build mentality where we're still designing through construction i mean you there is no such thing as thinking of every single detail on a set of plans right and, and having it out there maybe for the space shuttle but that doesn't even work sometimes yeah so, you know you're always solving problems throughout construction or seeing something that you want to modify you know you get a lot of sophisticated owners out there and they want to make a lot of changes and just kind of kind of gear up and help them through it you answered it the way I wanted you to because that, but it's always important to get your perspective where on mine, I agree with it. We, I, we don't even look at it as C anymore. It's just the continuation of how we started the, the project. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's delivering. The I mean, you're there at right. the end now where, <laughs> you know, there, there was a lot of projects and times when it's done. See you later. And you guys came hey, by the way, it's time to do substantial completion and come on out, Lance. Right, you yeah. Know. I mean, if you're doing a McDonald's that they've done 50 times. Well, that's and, different. You yeah. know, that's totally different. But if you're doing a ground-up project that's a, you know, new design for, you know, then, yeah, you're out there a lot. 
and not to put you on the spot, but how involved are you in like the peer group of, of other architectural friends, colleagues, that kind of thing? Honestly, not at all. Okay. Well, at least you're honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but but you are. Involved. My concern is the survival and, you know, my own business, yeah. uh, you know, prof- profiting and doing well. And I, I kind of think of it as I'm always swimming forward and I don't really want to look to the sides too much. Right. So what are the pitfalls that you see coming? Like, what do you, what would be the warning signs that, that you see in the industry and you're. I guess if my phone stopped ringing, but I haven't had that problem yeah. for. 20, oh, 23 years well, now. I guess yeah. then he doesn't need to look laterally there either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 there's always a market for construction. It, it doesn't matter if the private economy slows down, the federal economy will get going. The healthcare industry is always growing. You know, I mean, there's always something to design. So it's just shifting gears and staying in front of the, the curve, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be the only guy out there designing office buildings right now. And that's all you do, you know. Oh, excellent point i mean but then there's times when Shopping you want to be that guy right yeah, yeah you know because they're being built everywhere right yeah. right uh, yeah, but back to the way you started the show here is your diversity right 20 years ago 23 years ago was what got you through all those ebbs and flows and cyclicality right right cyclicality but i also you know think it keeps is that it, even a word yeah no, it, it's okay. cyclical it is i here. think it keeps it interesting though too that's the good thing for me is it keeps you thinking differently you know yeah. you're not doing the same thing every day you're not making donuts <laughs> lance what's the question that we didn't ask you today what have you been dying to tell the audience i don't know oh, don't don't tell them anything that they that they don't need to know yeah <laughs> has there ever been a time to where you know there's sometimes regular human beings think they're smarter than the architect. So, for example, like, are you saying an architect's not a regular human being? <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> come you, on, Daryl, you would be correct, <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> so, you know, for my, my perfect example is um, downtown in Phoenix, Third um, Avenue. I, I I have no clue who designed it, but the city turned the one way on Third and Fifth Avenue. They turned from McGill to about Thomas. They turned it into a one way, but they added a whole bike lane. But what they didn't account for, in my opinion, is the the right hand turn. So they made the so, so now they have two lanes and they have a bike lane, and those two you know the two lanes go straight, correct? Mm-hmm. And on the right lane turns on the red light. But a a person that is but of a person is not going right. So now he's backed up all that traffic. You know, this is a pain point for you, isn't yes, it, Daryl? It's a pain point. Yeah. So my, you don't have to have a traffic engineer on for that one. Well, yeah. here's the perfect. <laughs> I was just gonna say, the thunder was he can his disclaimer. I'm not an art. I'm not an engineer. I'm an architect. Right. That's an engineer's traffic. problem. Right. So, so and we've point, got one of those coming in the future episode <laughs> yeah. that will blow your mind with his answer to that. But yeah, um, my point was, has there ever been a time where you put up something or an architect has put up something, and it's not well Basically received. Complete it, yeah, and it's not well received. Sure, so, yeah, absolutely. We've yeah. all been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know that. I can answer that. There's one, one thing yeah. that architecture school I think beats out of you, and is that that is any sense of uh, <laughs> it's not pride and well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You have to be able to take criticism without getting offended because it's totally a subjective environment that you're working yeah, in. Yeah, that's a great architecture great school is terrible because you have all the professors there that are you know not. Some of them are probably listening, but not working in the everyday world. Right. And it's all opinions. Do they like something or not like something? It's very subjective. And same same with, you know, 
you have to be somewhat agnostic to your own design is what we're trying to say. Yeah, a little bit. Sure. It's a fluid thing. I'm, you yeah. know. And you said something that I hear the construction guys say all the time about architects. It's like, you know, well, they've never built anything, you know, and you can't build that. You know, they drew something that you can't build. And see, know? I take that personally. I love to build stuff. I'm actually, you know. No, I and you're. Build I, my own I, stuff. I have, I like I have met the other kind. <laughs> right. That, that literally would not know. Yeah, how that's to build the architect. Anything. Architect, but the yeah, little there mock turtlenecks and the yeah know, little glasses. I yeah, but the best, right. you know, it's the same. The best contractors are the ones that have done design. The best architects are the ones that have done construction. I mean, no, it you used understand. to be. It used to be the architect was supposed to be the master builder and understood Correct. how to build everything. And I still think it should be that way. Where we're supposed to understand how to build it, otherwise we shouldn't be drawing it. Yeah, and you should be. In time, at times, telling the telling the the builder, this is how you need to do this. Now, I I'm taking that to the extreme, but I I, I think there's means and methods involved yeah, there. There we yeah. go. Means and methods is right. the term. Right. But again, I think it's a collaborative effort. Yeah. They, you know, they I do agree. it every day. So it's just you're you're a team builder. Right. That's that's what you are. Do you have anything else, JJ? I, this has been awesome, Lance. No, I, I absolutely. Yeah, it's been fun. I think um, you know, there's probably about. 200 other questions I can ask, but it's just more spinoff on what the content we've yeah, already covered. And we will, we will definitely have Lance back. Lance, how can people get a hold of you if they want to discuss design? I mean, do you have a waiting list? Do you have, are you open? Do you, are you taking new clients? <laughs> We're always Look at the line outside clients. his door. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it's tough because everybody is busy right now. And I like to say, if somebody's not busy in this environment, mm -hmm. there's a reason. So. Sure. Everybody's busy, but yeah, we're absolutely taking new clients and projects and, you know, I think it always has to be a good fit for everybody, but, um, best way to get a hold of you through your website. Yeah, absolutely. Synectic. S D I A Z dot com. Yeah. Okay. But in the, the firm is Synectic Design Inc. Inc. There we go. Yeah. Well, it's been fantastic. You can't have something else. No, can't thank you enough, Lance. Oh, yeah, as I, we, absolutely. As we've been trying to build this program on building Arizona, it's, you know, we keep looking at all these different things. It's like contractors and subcontractors and, you know, on the architectural forefront and engineers, like Robert said, we're, we've got a very unique engineer coming on in a couple of weeks. And to have you here representing the architectural community, you know, kudos to you. And yeah. I think you're emblematic of what we want on the show. Absolutely. And we'll definitely have you back. Thanks. See you next time. You've been listening to the Mac and Blue Show, brought to you by Mac Prefab and Blue Wave General Contracting. Be sure to subscribe to the Mac and Blue Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow Robert Johnson and JJ Levensky on LinkedIn and Instagram. And tune in live every first and third Thursday at 3 p.m. as we continue to introduce you to the people building Arizona. Walt Disney said, you can dream, create, design, and build the most wonderful place in the world, but it requires people to make the dream a reality. Until next time, make it a great day.